welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Well, good morning, friends. Welcome to Awaken. Um, thanks for being here. My name is Micah. I'm one of the pastors. Uh, if you didn't get a bulletin on your way in, please grab one. Today is Sacred Sunday, so the lyrics for music are in there, and um, announcements are in there. A few different things are in there, so you'll want to grab one of those. And then a card. There's a little card back there uh, that will play in later. So uh, I'll invite Trevor to come up. He's going to begin uh, our time with a call to worship. Uh, but I just was told this morning in between hours uh, that there was a, a pretty significant shooting that happened in St. Paul last night um, at a restaurant uh, actually on West 7th, right up by the Excel Center. Um, and I don't know if you've ever been to a church service where you thought, like, certainly they're going to say something about dot, 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 and then they didn't, and you were like, wow, how is that possible? Um, sometimes we don't know, but... Um, Sometimes that's a, a conscious choice. So I want to begin this morning just with a few moments of silence together. Um, we live in a crazy world, and um, it doesn't always go the way we think it's going to go. Um, so let me, maybe I'll just offer a word of prayer and then a moment of silence, and then Trevor will lead us in a call to worship. So join me if you would. God, this morning uh, we just begin with... Uh, heavy hearts, to be perfectly honest. Um, I'm thinking of the Psalms where the psalmist seems to say, like, what on earth is going on here, and why, and how, or how long. And uh, I suppose I feel a bit like that, uh, and I'm guessing many of us do when we hear news about tragic events and things that happen that maybe uh, have no explanation. So uh, we know that your S Holy Spirit is present among us and in us. And um, so we're just going to take a few moments in silence and um, I'm going to be leading us in our call to worship. Um, I don't know if you guys have read this book, All Along You Are Blooming, by Morgan Harper Nichols. Um, I'm going to be reading from a, a poem from this book. Um, I'm Trevor, by the way. I'm director of student ministries. Um, it's kind of hard to transition from that, so I'm just going to go right into the reading. <clears throat> Dive into the present moment, letting light guide your way. You will certainly face unknowns, but you will not face them alone. All around you, there are people facing many of the same fears, and many hide it without realizing it. Behind how are yous and I am fines. And you can hone a listening ear for the words beneath the words, the thoughts beneath the phrases, and the feelings that do not reach their faces as you slowly begin to wake up to the honest voice inside of you beginning to sing with clarity and transparency for yourself and for those around you.
<clears throat> oh yeah, there you go. All right. Bunch of talkers this morning. Good Lord. My Minnesota accent really starts coming out when I pronounce some of these. Bunch of talkers. Oh, man. Uh, it's me again. It's Trevor. Uh, another welcome to you. Um, I run the youth program, and it just so happens that this year we have a youth intern helping out uh, run the show. There you go. So actually, just we'll jump right to it. His name is Jackson Michener. I mispronounced it the first hour, so I just doubled down. Uh, warm welcome for Jackson. That was pretty good. I was, I was kind of, probably, yeah. I'm, I'm Jackson Michener. It's, uh, it's good to meet you all. I go to Bethel University. I'll keep this brief. I'm in the Missional Ministries program. Uh, I read psych books and theology books in my free time, and I rap, and I make music. So I'll be around after the service. I'd love to meet you if you have any questions. Uh, good to see you all. There you go. Cool. Um, there you, man, this is like... This is what we need. Every time we have a new person on staff, that's what we... All right, uh, I'm going to actually say a prayer over him, so if you would join me. <clears throat> God, we, we thank you for this man, um, for what you've done in his life already, and that you've led him to us. Um, I pray for the work that he puts forth this year with our students um, in school, but that anything that he gives, there would be fruit from it, and that people would see you in that work. Um, for who he's becoming, for his future, Lord, uh, give him ways to see that you're active and in his life. Um, and the ways that we can remind him of that, we will as a church and a community. So we love him, we love you, and we thank you for your movement in his life. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to read scripture now. Uh, this is Acts one 1 through 11, and if you'll please stand for the reading of God's word. Acts 1, 1 through 11. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. He said, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized you with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you, for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Oh, and in all Judea and Samaria. Oh, and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, 
when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking at the sky? This is the word of the Lord. You can be seated. Everybody, yes, you are alive and awake. I love it. My name is Micah. Uh, I am one of the pastors here at Awaken. Very glad that you're here. Um, if you're new, special welcome to you. We'd love to know that you were here. Uh, there's a spot on our website. If you click on the fr- front page there, I'm new. Fill that out. That'll let us know. And somebody will reach out to you, invite you out for a beverage of your choice. We'd love to get to know you a little bit more. A couple things, if you do call Awake and Home, that we want you to know about, first and foremost, uh, and I am, they say you're not supposed to have, like, favorite kids. And parents all know that that's a lie. Um, they say as youth pastors, you're not supposed to have favorite kids in your youth group. And I did have favorite kids in my youth group. Uh, that's, that's true. I have a favorite announcement this morning, friends, I confess, and it is this one, trunk or treat. Yeah, it's trunk or treat. Uh, if you weren't here two weeks ago, I sort of, you know, uh, I, I extended this vision to you of a party of epic proportion in the parking lot of the church for the neighborhood as the church is sent into the world. Uh, and so it's a trunk or treat. Um, if you've never heard about this, you, your, your trunk, your car becomes your home and you decorate it, and you, 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 you're there, you host it, and you give out candy to the kids who come. So we'll line up all the cars in the parking lot, and kids from the neighborhood will come, kids from the church will come. Your cars will be decorated, there will be music playing, and merriment for all. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So I want to invite you to that. You can participate in two ways. First, you can host a trunk, um, or second, you can help sort of pull this thing off, or do both, uh, depending on what you want to volunteer for. So on the website, main, main page, click the, uh, I want to, I want to, I think it's volunteer or help make Trunk or Treat happen or something like that. <laughs> so click that. And uh, many of you have. I've got a lot of people who are ready to host trunks, and I'm very excited about that. Uh, it is not, as uh, some might have heard me say la- uh, two weeks ago, it's not a Trump retreat. The first hour, there were many people down here who just kept kind of looking at me like, what is he saying? Trump retreat? No, it's a trunk or treat. So... 1 to 4, October 31st. Moving along, Micah, we are, uh, we're hiring a tech director, a part-time tech director. So uh, if you know anybody who's interested and talented, or if you are, please let us know um, on the website there. The job description is posted. Pass that on. You can help be our street team and get the word out. Last but not least, there's a scripture circle happening next Sunday night, October the 17th, 6.30. So if you've never done this with us, it's a Bible study, good old-fashioned Bible study. Um, very, uh, it's Socratic sort of in method, and so lots of questions, a lot of give and take, a lot of wondering, um, led by our friends at 40 Orchards. So please uh, know that that's for you. Uh, love, to, love to see you there. That's on Zoom, so you can sign up online and get the link for that. Sound good? Okay, let's get to it, friends. Tomorrow is, uh, used to be called Columbus Day, and somebody thought it would be better to celebrate the indigenous people um, instead of Columbus, and so um, we're going we're gonna to just note that, that tomorrow is that day. We're going to recognize that uh, this land that this church is on, it was actually uh, land that the Lakota people inhabited before we ever got here. So we want to keep those things in mind as we begin our work week and uh, think about maybe the people that have come before us, yes? Amen, amen. All <clears throat> uh, play. Sometimes we'll ask all play questions, and that's where like you all get to describe or, or discuss with me. So here's an all play question, and we'll kick off the sermon with this. 
Uh, last or best road trip that you went on? Let's hear it. I want to know where people are going and where they've been. Last or best road trip that you were on? Chicago. Chicago. Yes, I hear you. South Dakota. The Redwoods. Yes, I love it. South Dakota. What was in South Dakota? I just got to ask. The Black Hills. Okay, the Black Hills. And some lovely people, too, in, in South Dakota. <laughs> lovely people. Okay. I do love the Black Hills. There are trout there. Where, where'd you go? Yellowstone. Have you seen the show? Any Yellowstone watchers? What planet are you living on, people? Yeah, Yellowstone. Kevin Costner. Oh, my gosh. Speaking of where we started, that whole, I mean, okay, it's like Breaking Bad, but in Yellowstone, Montana. It's really great. It's really great. Season four comes out soon. Okay, keep it going, Micah. On the rails. Glacier, Glacier National Park. Love Glacier. D.C. or B.C.? D.C. There are steelhead in B.C., so I thought you were saying you went to B.C., but D.C. is cool, too. Okay, yeah. Wind Cave. Where is that? South. Duh. Best road trip I ever went on. Uh, well, I, I, that's hard to say. One of the most favorite road trips I've, I went on. 2008, my family sabbatical. We went west through South Dakota. Uh, Yellowstone Glacier to a little island in the Puget Sound, Vashon Island, outside of Seattle, and then down through Oregon on the coast there in the Redwoods to California, and then all the way back through Colorado. So great. Loved it. Um, road trips with kids. Now that's fun. Uh, we, we often say, when we were doing this early on as parents, we're like, we've got a vacation coming up. <clears throat> and we took our kids, <clears throat> and we got home and we're like, we got to get a new category. Like, that's a family trip. This is just not a vacation. Because, of course, kids ask the dreaded question of the road trip, which is, are we there yet? That's exactly right. And some of you adults still ask that question on road trips. Don't do that. Do not do that. That's a road trip rookie mistake. Are we there yet? <clears throat> when are we going to get there? How long before we get there? You know, we're going to California, and we're not even into South Dakota yet, and someone's asking, are we there yet? Uh, we're going to come back to this question in a minute. It's going to be important for our study of Acts 1. We are wrapping up a series, uh, our fall series, called Send. If you've been around Awaken in the fall before, you know that every fall we kind of pause. We, we, we take stock. We ask questions about what kind of church do we want to be. Uh, I think we've done wells and fences in the fall before. But it's a series that asks, like, uh, it helps us navigate where we've been, who we are, and where we're going. It sort of sets our sails in a certain direction, as it were. <clears throat> and we wanted to pause this fall to remind ourselves that as the church, we are sent by God into the world. So two weeks ago, uh, I reminded us that despite the fact that this is lovely, wonderful, uh, I really enjoy it, Eucharist, baptism, worship songs together, studying the scriptures together, um, this actually isn't the point of the church. Sometimes it becomes the point of the church, and uh, the, the sort of the end, or the <clears throat> excuse me, the means become the end, but this is a byproduct of a reality, of a, a theological idea that God, the God of the Bible that is revealed to us in Jesus, consistently and over and over again sends people into the world on God's behalf. So that's where we began last week. Judy filled in for me. <clears throat> 
and reminded us that they, them, whoever's out there, uh, fill in the blank, are not the mission, but rather I am the mission. You are the mission. Uh, that God is working in and through me, and then we wander our way into the world, right? Uh, and this week, I want to stay in Acts 1. Uh, remember, this is, this is the beginning of the church, this story of the church. And we're going to kind of like start abstract, and then we're going to just funnel it right down to very personal and practical. And I want to end our time today with a question around, and actually Judy mentioned it last week. If we think about our lives as, uh, you know, we're using a sewing metaphor here, okay? My life is a needle, and what is it that God wants to weave into the world in and through my life? If I'm part of this church group, this group of people sent into the world, what is it that God wants to do? So if my life is a needle, what does God want to weave into the world? That's where we're going to end. So let's go back to the beginning. Let's start with the question that the disciples asked Jesus in verse 6 of Acts chapter 1. Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of God? <clears throat> Very interesting question. Are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of God? I would argue, I would submit that they're, essentially they're asking Jesus, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Like, is this the time when, like, is this the place that we're going? Is this the thing that we've been waiting for all this time? If you imagine Jesus is, you know, on a road trip with his disciples, and they're in the back seat, and he's been telling them about this place, this kingdom, this reality, this thing that we're headed to, the disciples in this moment are asking, like, are we there yet? Is this the moment? Is this the thing that we've been preparing for for the last three years? Um, a couple of things about this question, first theological and then very personal. Uh, first, theological where is there? If the disciples are in fact asking Jesus in this moment, are we there yet? Where is there? Um, maybe said differently, what is it that Jesus is talking about? And what is it that the disciples imagine is going to happen? If you try to like rewind and you're back in this moment and you're a Jewish follower of Jesus, this itinerant rabbi wandering around Palestine and Judea, where is there? <clears throat> and I think this is actually a really important question that these people ask then and that I think uh, has implications on us as the church and the gospel and what is the good news. So allow me to draw, if I may, just for a moment. First hour, I brought up a, like a TV screen and I was drawing on my iPad, which was kind of ironic because Tra Trevor's like, oh, hey, it's Sacred Sunday. And I'm like bringing up all the technology that we own in the church. And then I fumbled through it, and all the teachers in the first hour were like, oh, Micah, it's okay, honey, just keep going. Because it didn't work very well. So we went old school whiteboard. Are you ready, friends? We're doing some drawing. Yeah, okay, here we go. If you imagine, the disciples asked this question, is this the time when you're going to restore the kingdom? And if you think about the tone and tenor and, like, what's behind the question, the thing behind the thing, I would suggest that it looks a bit like this, that the God of the universe takes from all the people of the world and chooses to do something through Israel. The trajectory, the whole thing is headed this way, and the point of it is this. Okay? In this, some things that are kind of assumed in the disciples' question. Number one, that Jesus is the king. This is a land, a world where... <clears throat> excuse me, kings and kingdoms are normal and natural. So if the neighbors have a king, then they wanted a king, so they asked God for a king, and of course they got all the kings, and so they think Jesus is going to be the king, that he's going to sit on the throne, you know, think Game of Thrones. He's going to be the one that uh, 
uh, I was going to say the, the, the one throne that rules them all, but I just did Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones in the same metaphor. You get what I'm saying, though, right? Uh, Jesus is the king. Israel is exalted. Israel is lifted up. They are not on the bottom of the totem pole anymore. They retain their rightful place in the world as the best country on the planet. Uh-oh, that sounds familiar. Um, the disciples are in the court of the king. Remember the disciples' questions that they continue to ask Jesus on multiple occasions, and even their mothers get in on this? Will there be a seat for my sons on your right and your left in the kingdom? Jesus overhears them arguing about who is going to be the greatest in the kingdom, and he says, of course, you have to be a servant. Look at these children. That's from the Gospel of Mark. The disciples will be in the court of the king because Jesus will be the king and Israel will be on top. And then last but not least, that oppression will cease. Two S's in oppression. Uh, oppression will cease for our people. No more oppression of the Israelites. They've been carted off to Assyria, to Babylon, to any number of places they've been oppressed. The Romans now occupy their land and they're asking Jesus... Is this the point, is this the time, the moment when you're going to restore the kingdom of Israel and all these things will be true? Is this that moment? Are we there yet? And Jesus seems to be... flipping... Oh! <laughs> I didn't even plan on doing that. And I was like, I think this is going to work. Jesus is, Jesus is consistently like flipping the script on them, Right? He's saying, friends, actually, the thing looks like this. That God chooses to do something through, oops, Israel. God, yeah, there is a group of people in the world called Israel, and God has chosen, selected them. There is a group of people called the church in the world, and God is using them. But through Jesus, not our nationhood, not our nation state, not our political ideologies, not our whatever... For the whole world. And if you notice, the trajectory of this thing just keeps getting bigger, not smaller. And in this question, or in this way of thinking about it, things are a little different. Jesus isn't king as much as Jesus is Messiah, which is to say Jesus is Lord, which is to say that Jesus is the rightful what shall I say, director of affairs in this creation. What did you say? Representative. Jenna, everybody. <laughs> Jesus is Messiah, not king. The disciples, or uh, Israel, Israel plays a role in the story, and in this story they're vindicated. They're not exalted. Very big difference. Israel's vindicated, not exalted. The disciples are not Members of the court, they are heralds of the message. They're the ones who speak, who testify. Always give reason for the hope that you have in Christ, 1 Peter 3. And oppression, not ending for our people, but liberation for all of creation. Can I get an amen on that one? Do you see how different there is? Are we there yet?
Are we, this is, this is, oh, no. moment like this is like a magic trick how did I do that Jesus he's asking or the disciples they're asking this question are we there yet and the point of the story goes from like the the God of the universe and all the people in the world just right up to our people right up to our perspective right up to our way of being in the world and Jesus is like, oh, gosh, it's there is not there. There is not where you think there is. And we're headed in a different direction here. And I want to pause here because this is really important for the Christian church to realize or to spend some time with. Often when we tell the story of the gospel and the good news about Jesus, it looks a whole lot more and sounds a whole lot more like, if you were the only person on the planet, Jesus would have died for you. And that's not that that isn't true. But it's just really, really small. And it misses the whole tone, tenor, trajectory of the project that God is doing in this book. And it's a bit reductionistic. And I would argue... It's a lot more American than it is gospel. Because the point of the whole story is me. And any time, I want to offer this as a, a warning, right? Prophet Micah, coming to town here. Any time we sound like, our theologies start to look like, feel like, move towards this kind of movement or tone or tenor, be very careful. And be very wary, because the thing that Jesus, the there that Jesus is leading us to, yeah, you matter, and you're a part of it, for sure. But it is big, and it expands. It includes. And it's for the whole world. Not just for you and your particular version of how to read the Bible. Not just for you and your particular understanding of Romans 8. Therefore, we are more than conquerors in Christ. I think that's how that one starts, doesn't it? You get what I'm saying. So, this is a really important moment in the story of Acts. Because Jesus is essentially saying to the disciples, Listen, where you think we're going, that's not where we're going. There is not there. And that's an important message for us as the church to remember and consider. Um, it's not about their national identity. It's not about their political ideologies. It's not about their position in the world as a people. They're not going to get seats in the court of the king. In fact, Jesus says, if you want to be great, you have to be a servant. And it's likely that you're going to be persecuted and you're probably going to die. So who's in? <laughs> Good news, friends. But of course, Jesus then says, well, death doesn't get the last word in this story, right? Because Jesus is Messiah. 
the resurrected one. Theological. Now, personally, I was thinking about this question this week, and I was with my spiritual director on Thursday. I was telling Joel about what I was preaching, and it dawned on me. This, this question of, like, are we there yet? And the hopes and dreams of the disciples for what they would have thought. Like, imagine that you're them, right? You're, you're, you grew up as a Jewish young person, and, and you heard the stories of how God had chosen Father Abraham and this group of people had left Egypt and been liberated from Egypt and found their home in the promised land and there was this great, you know, wonderful rain and season and then you were carted off into so you have a lot invested in these hopes and dreams. These are your children and your children's children that you're talking about here. And so when the disciples asked the question, are we there yet? Is this the time when you're going to restore the kingdom? it, It felt really far away from me. And then it dawned on me that I ask this question all the time. And I would suggest that you do too. Because for them, if I'm right, and this question is about their hopes and their dreams, about how their life would work out. I ask that question all the time. Are we there yet? And if you just submit or or sub in for there, your hopes and dreams about your kids and how they'll turn out, your hopes and dreams about your job, your hopes and dreams about who gets healed and who doesn't get healed, your hopes and dreams about any number of things. Because we have visions of that, don't we? And I think we hope for them, we dream about them, we long for them, and we ask God for them. Are we there yet? All the time. I think this is a really important moment to recognize that sometimes there isn't there. And we got to figure out how to come to grips with what we dreamed and hoped for and what's true and real. Whether that is where God ends up leading or because of tragedy or any number of factors. But our hopes and our dreams, they change all the time and they get challenged all the time. And I wonder if in this moment Jesus doesn't say, trust me. I am the resurrected one. And death gets a word sometimes, but it doesn't get the last word. And if you follow, trust me, I'm good. Because for the disciples, what a shocker. (laughs) There is not exaltation and a kingdom with a king, but a cross and a dead savior, a dead Messiah, at least for a few days, until something changes and resurrection happens. So I I think this is an important wrestling that I personally (laughs) uh, was invited to sit with this week. And so, you know, I, I go away every week with a backpack and I just bring back all the things that I think are worth looking at. And this one of them. Jesus then goes on and he says, you know, this isn't for you to know, nor do you control these things, but here's what I do know and here's what I will tell you. You, this group of people, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So let's spend a few moments there as we wrap up. Jesus says, you will be my witnesses. And the the word in Greek that's used there is martus. It's actually where we get the word martyr, um, who is a witness, right? 
but th- this is, um, the word is often used in, in a court metaphor. So like, think about a courtroom. Jesus says, you, my people, the church, you will be my witnesses. So in a courtroom, you know, there's the, the witness stand. There's the place where the person sits and puts their hand on the Bible, you know, so, so help me God, I'll tell the truth. And there's, of course, lawyers in the room who are arguing for particular versions of reality, uh, which would be tr- more true than another. Then, you, of course, you have a judge who's sitting up there, and they sort of adjudicate. They decide on things. But then sometimes you have a jury, and they often, you know, be, be, be the people, they're the people who decide whether something is right, wrong, true, false. Jesus says, you will be my witnesses. He doesn't say you'll be my lawyers. There is a word for that in Greek. And he doesn't say it. He doesn't say your job is to go out into the world and argue my case. He doesn't say your job is to go out into the world and argue on behalf of me or God or the Bible or holiness or the church or Christianity or any number of things. He also doesn't say you will be my judges. You will be my jury. He doesn't say to the church what I need you to do is condemn and indict and cast stones at anybody and everybody out there who's doing something that you think is wrong or, or celebrate them when you think they're doing something right. He doesn't say, you will be my judge or my jury or my lawyer. He says, you will be my witness. Can I get an amen, Micah? You will be my witness. What does a witness do? They just testify. They speak to what they know and have experienced. So last week, even Judy said, if you, if you haven't experienced or don't feel like you know the love of God very deeply and have something, a place from which to offer that, then don't testify. You may do more harm than good. You may be, have well intentions, but I, like, let that marinate a little, you know what I mean? That's okay. You can experience something for yourself before you decide to testify to it to the world. You will be my witnesses. So to... to Recall, to speak, to uh, uh, bear witness to the things that you know to be true, that you have experienced in your own life. You will be my witnesses. So to the church, I would just remind you this Sunday morning as we wrap this series up and we send you back into the world, Jesus is very clear that our job is to just bear witness. Words that we've used at Awaken for a long time, demonstrate and, and announce. Right? Always be ready to give reason for the hope that you have. Do this with gentleness and respect. Your job is not to argue. Your job is not to, you know, it's so fascinating to me because like when I, you know, came to Jesus for real, I prayed a prayer when I was five. Well, I, I would actually say that I knew, I, what I, as much as I, I knew, I, I said that little prayer in Pam Gall's basement at Vacation Bible School. I don't want to diminish that. When I was uh, 14 or so uh, in in high school, and I said to God, as much of me as I know, to much of you as I know, and I decided to follow Jesus, I was actually at an apologetics conference. They were teaching me how to be a lawyer. <laughs> oh. Every now and again, well, there, are, there still are a few people who were in my youth groups uh, way back in the day when I was like 21 and doing this, and... My mom used to say that time draws a merciful curtain, and I'm really grateful for that. Because I probably did all kinds of things, like, and I meant well, but I stand here today and I'm convinced that 
Your job is not to be the lawyer. It's to testify. So Jesus says, okay, you're to testify. And where? Where are you to do that? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Jesus, if you don't know anything about the ancient world, Jesus starts like with concentric circles. Jerusalem is where the whole thing began. It's the, where the capital city is. It's where the temple is. It's the heartbeat of Israel. So he says, start where you are. And then when this little rock drops into the pond, it will ripple out into, well, Judea, the next kind of known region where Jerusalem is. And then beyond that is Samaria, you know, your hated friends to the north. Even to them, it will go. And then beyond that, like, to the ends of the earth, like, way out there, farther than you could ever even imagine, this little story will work its way out there. But where do you start? Is your job to care about and worry about and hold the ends of the earth and what the gospel will do and the good news about God in the world, like, for the whole world? Is No. I think we make it way harder than we need to make it a lot of the time. So I would just say to you this morning, start where you are. Whatever season you're in right now, I want to get really practical as we close. You may have a youngster at home who takes all of your time and maybe right now, that's where you're being sent. Maybe if, if you have one life and that life is a needle and God wants to weave love, a story of love and reconciliation and hope into the world in and through you and your life, then where would God weave? So maybe it's your kid for a season. If you work and you have a job and there are people in your workplace and you sense that God might be saying, like, you go there for 40 hours a week, would you let me take your life and weave love and restoration and reconciliation into the world through you in that place? I'll send you there. Maybe it's your neighbor, literally like the person that's in the house next door to you. Maybe it's, right, you see what I'm saying? It doesn't have to be to West Africa or China or somewhere on the other side of the world. In fact, it usually isn't. Like, you do you. Right here, right now. So my question for you this morning is, there's a card that you were invited to take. I'd, I want you to grab that, if you would. And we're gonna, I'm going to wrap up here. I'm going to offer a, a bit of silence. And I want you to, to think, to reflect, to maybe even ask the Holy Spirit if you believe that is happening here. And even if you don't, I think you could still participate in this. Like, even if you don't think Jesus is who I think Jesus is and the Bible, like, we're arguing for in Scripture, you're like, I don't know. I, I can get behind love. All right. You have one life. Like, how does love get woven into the world through you? We can all play today. So, where is it that you feel sent to? Is there, a, like, a tug on your heart? Uh, maybe it's a person. Maybe it's a place. Maybe it's a, a school setting or a work setting or a neighborhood or a particular person in your life. Who do you, for this season, and it doesn't have to be forever, just right now, who or where do you feel sent to? If God's going to weave love and restoration and hope in the world through you and your life, where's God doing it? Let me pray. God, for the next few moments as we think about this question of the divine presence breaking into our realities,
in our world and weaving love and hope into the world through our lives, would you begin to make clear the person, the place, the thing, the people group, um, the structure, the neighborhood, that you are inviting me to go to. To say, here I am, send me. We've love, hope, reconciliation into the world. So Holy Spirit, speak to us, I pray. www.awakencommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Awaken Community or on Twitter at Awaken Community. See you next time.